Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmet, and founder of The Place Retreats and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome back to your next episode. My guest today is Dr. Philippa Kay. She's a GP and an author and you've probably seen her on television and heard her on the radio. Uh, most recently, I've seen her a lot on BBC News, Good Morning and also on Sky News' panel of experts answering questions on coronavirus. H- Hello, Philippa. Morning, Hello. How are you? Good, thank you, good. So, um, Philippa's at home with three children, she's working and everything, so it's, you know, really frantic for you at the moment, isn't it? We're in week four of lockdown, I should say, for the recording. So, yeah, I think it's frantic for a lot of people. But uh, I think that with the challenges, and there are challenges, primarily the fact that they want to eat all the time but not wash up, um, (laughs) there's also actually a lot more laughter and a lot more time sort of spent together and talking and laughing and just sort of being. And in the real world, there isn't that time. Um, So I'm trying to see the positives amidst the chaos. Yeah, yeah. It's just a mixture of of both, isn't it, really? And, and, you know, so... Um, But today we're going to talk about your new book, The M Word, Everything You Need to Know About the Men pause um so it came out in february is that right yeah february the 13th and i actually was very lucky that it came out when it did i know yeah um so first of all philippa can you explain the title of the book why is it called the m word it's called the m word primarily because it's hard to get people to engage with something entitled menopause. Mm. Um, And that's a real marker, actually, of the society that we live in, um, which is still often very patriarchal, and Mm. women's health is a taboo. And we mustn't talk about periods, and vaginas are dirty, Mm. and they're not. Um, And all (laughs) of that sort of taboo around women's health. And so the M word is, in fact, a play on word by the very fact that I couldn't call it menopause book Mm. and I had to hide it Mm. um, and that's how we did it by hiding it in the title the m word well it's great but it does highlight that you know the fact that it feels almost like a dirty word and there's like a stigma around it and that's because culturally we've created that negativity around this sort of time in in a woman's life everything in the media depicts menopausal women as being tired frumpy hot grumpy um you know the the conversation needs to be more more positive around it absolutely so i think that if we 
go back even, I don't know, 50, 60 years, your purpose as a woman in the society that we live in was to look attractive mm. and to bear children. Yeah. Once you are past the point of bearing children or having the possibility of bearing children and your looks change, then essentially there's no point to you anymore. Mm. And when you have the Deputy Governor of the Bank of England as little as two years ago describe the menopause, the economy as menopausal to mean stagnant mm. and past its best, that rhetoric sort of hasn't changed. No. And yet the role of women has changed significantly. We have more women in the workplace than ever before. We you know the role of women to be able to do things that they have never even considered possible before means that we have to really change how we think about the menopause. Mm. And quite frankly, we are going to live one third of our lives after the menopause. And I don't want to live one third of my life miserable. No, no. And do you think then, so years ago, we would have we would have had the menopause and then probably died shortly after, after yeah, that. Yeah, so this was, to me, the most interesting part of the book and mm. the part that needed the most research in a way mm. because the book is about the menopause and symptoms and treatments and that's my bread and butter. That's, you know, what I do in general practice all the time. Mm. But the sort of social anthropology bit about why women go through the menopause was a new area for me. And interestingly, it's us and some kind of whale that goes through the menopause and live for a period of time after it. So even our closest genetic relatives, the apes, they go through a menopause and they die within a few years. Even in matriarchal societies like elephants, they go through the menopause and they die after a few years. And so you sort of begin to think, well, why is, th why is this happening? And there are lots of reasons about um, being able to look after your children and your grandchildren and not competing for the same resources. But actually... 200 years ago, you probably died within a few years after yeah. after your menopause. And it may simply be that we are living longer, but so bits of us age quicker. Yeah. And that might be the reason, but the truth is we don't wholly know. But my favourite animal who goes through the menopause which actually isn't in the book, but it really talks about changing the rhetoric around the menopause, and it's this. There is some kind of locust, I can't remember the exact name, mm. in Asia where the insects, the female insects, go through a menopause. They don't stop bleeding because they don't bleed um, because they're insects, but sort of they have a post-reproductive phase in their lives. Mm. And when the colony of locusts is under attack... The males send all the postmenopausal female insects to go and defend the colony. Oh. And I think that probably in the last century you would have looked at that image and you would have said, oh, those postmenopausal female insects are past their best. We're sending them out to die. But actually, you can change that entirely. And mm. you think those postmenopausal female insects, they're the ones with the knowledge, they're the ones with the power. Mm. And we are sending them out to protect everybody else. Yeah. And that's Fantastic. actually, I think, a really wonderful way it of is, thinking about yeah. the menopause and the wisdom and experience that you could have after that and so that's the kind of insect that I think I would like to be. <laughs> I love that story <laughs> um, but I'm actually still really surprised by the number of women and even doctors who actually aren't very clued up 
about what the menopause actually is. So can you define that for us now? Because you're like perimenopause. I I know that lots of people haven't heard of it until they sort of get to be about 50. And, you know, so what is it? exactly? So I think that it's not um, actually anybody's fault at all. Mm. Um, It's only in September this year, if the schools are back, please, God, let the schools be back. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That um, the menopause is going to be part of the PHSE personal health social um, Mm. curriculum. Um, And up until then, it wasn't. And so we all learnt about the birds and the bees and we learnt about periods. And it might have been from our mothers or our best friend in the playground or a teacher, but somebody taught us. Mm. And they taught us where babies came from and most importantly, how to not make babies. Mm. And nobody mentioned a word about the menopause at all. And you might have seen your parents have an argument about opening the window and turning on the central heating, but nobody talked about what was going on. And so what we have is the generation of women above me, my generation of women and the generation of women below who don't know through no fault of their own Mm. but this is what the definition is the menopause means the last period that's it's what it means medically in the same way we have a word for your first period and that's called menarche but in the same way that puberty took you a number of years so too does the menopause so the menopause is what we would call a diagnosis of retrospect we cannot say that you have been through the menopause until you have not had a period for one year yeah and the average age of the menopause in the uk is 51 Mm-hmm. However, you can have symptoms for many years before. Generally, it's about five, but it can be up to about a decade. Whether or not you have periods, so you could be having flushes and sweats and everything else, and your periods becoming regularly or irregularly or not at all. And the time when your periods sort of might be there, might not be there, but you are symptomatic is called the perimenopause. Then we have the menopause and then we spend, as I said, a third of our lives because the average life expectancy in the UK of women is about 80 postmenopausal. And although you think, oh, I've been through, I've, I've made it through the flushes and sweats, there can then be sort of more medium term effects of that low estrogen state and then longer term effects. Right. So it can affect us for a long period of time. Yeah, and quite a complex interaction between psychological and physical factors as well. Because, for example, I'm so I'm 50. I haven't had any hot flushes, but I have had that low-level anxiety. I'm forgetful, the brain fog, all of that sort of thing. So my experience talking to friends is that even when they go to their doctor, they're being prescribed, oh, well, you need some antidepressants because you're mm. a bit anxious. Or But, but, but then you start to so sort of realise... I think we're really kind to teenagers when mm. they're grumpy and they want to sleep or they don't sleep. Mm. Um, and we understand that that's because they are essentially slaves to their hormones. Mm. And we are not kind to each other as women. Yeah. Um, and we should be because our, we have receptors for hormones all over our bodies, including our brains. And so you can get symptoms related to that low estrogen state all over our body including our brains um, and so four out of five women will experience um, some symptoms related to the menopause and the most common of those is hot flushes and sweats but that doesn't mean that you have to have that nor that you um, that you may or you may not and so there are lots of physical symptoms um, you can have headaches you can have joint pains dry itchy skin insomnia fatigue and then the psychological symptoms and they are really estrogen dependent and testosterone dependent symptoms and they can be anxiety low mood depression uh, what we call the menopause 
causal brain fog, so mm. difficulties with memory and yeah. concentration, um, insomnia again. Um, and then I can put loss of libido in both the physical category and the psychological category. Mm. And there's a huge interplay between them. Yeah. But the NICE, so NICE is the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, and what their job is is to look at all the research and make recommendations to doctors as to what is the most evidence-based treatment. And it's actually really clear in its guidance on the menopause that if you are somebody who has not had anxiety or low mood um, previously and it begins to develop, develop it in their 40s, 50s, that it's most likely to be related to the menopause um, and therefore its treatment should be to with hormone replacement as opposed to antidepressants in the first line. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can't have antidepressants, but it means that HRT is probably your answer. Yeah. Which if you're somebody who suffered with depression or anxiety in your 20s, 30s and 40s, then that's less likely and it may be that an antidepressant is a better choice right. in the first mm. um, option. But for many women, it's actually replacing those hormones that makes them feel like them again. Yeah, just one of the reasons why it's so important to start having these conversations and you know talking about it. Um, and you know, your book, you know, the M Word, has a holistic approach. It's not lifestyle versus medicine, but in, you, it encourages an approach where the two work together. I really like your tone in the book. And when I've seen you on TV, it's really clear that you've got a real skill for giving the information that women need in an easily digestible way. And the books very positive and uplifting and your sort of chatty light-hearted tone really shines through so uh, you know as I was saying to you earlier when we were chatting before it it the book feels like it just feels like the only book you really need you know you buy that that's it you, you know you're, you're good to go you're covered <laughs> so but women really do need to get informed um, because also sometimes you know doctors aren't as informed as you would expect them to be. And again, not not bashing doctors, but they, they don't actually get to cover it a lot, do they, in their training? Yeah, so, so you could technically um, get... I mean, I don't remember menopause being covered in medical school. Mm. Um, that may be my memory, but I remember quite a lot of medical school, yeah. thankfully, <laughs> and I don't remember that being covered. Um, and I did gynaecology as a medical student and never went to a menopause clinic. Um, and then I was always very interested in women and children's health. And so I did jobs in the hospital when I qualified in obstetrics and gynaecology. And interestingly, still mm. never went, um, never, never worked in the menopause clinic. So got to general practice um, and it hadn't been part of my training as such um, and now that's true of quite a lot of things um, in that you can't until you see them you don't know them um, and whilst I went around the hospital and I worked in A&E in care of the elderly and stroke and psychiatry and obstetrics and gynaecology and paediatrics I didn't for example do an ENT job an ear nose and throat job mm. and so when I was a GP registrar I used to look in people's ears and I used to call my trainer who was a senior GP and say I don't know what that is mm. um, and then she would teach me and and essentially a lot of uh, medicine is learning on the job yeah. um, and the menopause was very clearly something which my patients were struggling with and therefore it became very important to me to learn about it and I think the whole job of general practice is translating what I would call medicalese into English mm. but as GPs, we all still have our areas of interests. And yes, we are jack of all trades, but lots of us now work in bigger practices. So if you come to my practice and you make an appointment with me for a joint injection, that's not going to work because I can't do those. But if you need your coil changing, then I'm your girl. Yeah. So actually what you need to do is ring your GP receptionist and say, is there anybody that's got extra qualifications? 
happens in the menopause or in women's health because that's what we then did oh no I realized I had a gap and I went and got an extra postgraduate diploma in it and wow. um, so ask who's got an interest ask who's got extra qualifications and then see if you can find that person yeah and if you can't in smaller practices then I never have a problem ever and I genuinely mean this because I think there's a lot of sort of misconceptions about this I never have a problem with a patient who turns up with things printed off the internet or newspaper articles yeah now some of them you can say I'm sorry that's in clinical trial it's not relevant mm -hmm. or you can say that's just nonsense because Google is wonderful but there's also a lot of misinformation out there but what it shows me is that somebody is really taking an interest in their health mm -hmm. and is really engaged and that's somebody that is actually the easiest to talk to mm -hmm. and the easiest to go through all our different options and if you know more than something about me marvelous you teach me and I'm going to go away and look it up because doctors learn all the time so I would never feel embarrassed about getting informed and that's why essentially read the book buy a copy yeah. give it to your friends um, you know and that's why and, and take it with you yeah. and say do you know what you know you're telling me that I can't have HRT but it says here that you can yeah. and here's the reference why and hopefully your doctor would then go and look it up so definitely knowledge is power yeah and if you're presenting them with evidence-based information that you've that you've gathered you know rather than just sort of Dr Google then you know then yeah absolutely it makes sense that they would um that that would be a helpful discussion to have yeah so it's not doctor bashing it's just helping no. each other along. yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely but it does depend i think on the doctor that you come across doesn't it sometimes so <laughs> i think that's true i think that's true of everything, everything if i yeah. could just say about the lifestyle versus medicine or lifestyle mm. is medicine and i think that, that we see a lot on social media um even now in the time of this uh, unprecedented global pandemic my social media feed is full of uh, people saying if you I don't know drink celery juice you're never going to catch corona if you um, eat x you're why is going to happen and and lifestyle is medicine or food is medicine food isn't medicine no medicine is medicine so yes we get lots of our medicines from plants or originally we did you know aspirin from willow bark and digoxin from foxgloves um they are still medicines and food is food and lifestyle is lifestyle and they complement each other and they work together. So I am not saying if you have high blood pressure that you should just cut out salt. You should cut out salt, but for some people that's not going to be enough mm. um, or losing weight is not going to be enough or exercising is not going to be enough because they have a genetic predisposition or they have another predisposition to high blood pressure. And I'm also not going to say to them, just take your high blood pressure pills, eat whatever you like and sit on your bottom all day. Yeah. Because the medicine isn't enough. And what we need is we need the two of them to work together. And so for every symptom in the book, I've given you as many lifestyle options as I possibly yes. can. Um, and as many changes. And some of them are really simple but you just might not have thought about them. Mm. And it sounds obvious, but if you're somebody who's having flushes and sweat, sweats and you've gone to work in a jumper, mm. well, you can't take that off. No. But if you've gone to work in, in a sort of a T-shirt, a jumper and a cardigan, you can disrobe and robe far easier um, in those layers. Now, that sounds really obvious, but the number of women who I see who sort of go, oh, I never thought about no. that. Yeah. Um, but that can make a real difference to your life. And so I've given... Um, things that can make your symptoms worse, for example, caffeine or, or alcohol definitely make flushes worse. Um, and things that you can do yourself as well as where to get help. And the question that I'm asked all the time is when? When should I get help? How do I know if my symptoms are bad enough? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is simple. If you're suffering, if you're struggling, 
that's the time yeah and it doesn't matter if somebody else could manage or not manage this is about you and you getting the help that you need and the moment that you think i'm not managing and i'm miserable that's the time to get help are women still thinking that HRT isn't safe? In my circle of friends, I know that there are women who are still sort of like, oh, oh it's not safe, it's not safe. Can, can, but can you give us some information about the risks and benefits and why we're yeah. still panicking a bit? So HRT is about as controversial an area of medicine um, <laughs> as, as there has been. And we all have a part to play in that, actually. Um, and the first thing to say is this. Doctors change their guidance according to the research and the evidence. Mm. So no doctor was trying to mislead you. No doctor was trying to harm you. Those cases like Harold Shipman are thankfully extraordinarily very rare. Mm. Um, And what happens is, is that we do one set of studies that shows X and then 10 sets of studies later, Y happens and 100 set of studies later, Z happens. And so you change your guidance according to the evidence. And HRT came out in the 60s. Um, the first one was called Premarin. It came from pregnant mare's urine, which is where the name came from. Um, and it was touted as the panacea for all. And then in 2000, a huge study was started. And um, the results of that study started to say, oh, these women are getting breast cancer, these women are having heart attacks, these women are having strokes. And as a consequence, doctors went, okay, no one can come, no one can be on it. And the number of prescriptions of HRT fell through the floor. Now, the media had a big role um, to play in that, and it was everywhere, and everybody came off their HRT. What then didn't happen was this. Over the previous 20 years, more and more and more and more and more studies have come out. And we know far more about HRT than we ever have before. And yet that message hasn't seeped through. It hasn't seeped through in the media and it hasn't seeped through to women. And I know this because when I wanted to write the book, I wanted to see what the competition was, obviously. Mm. Um, And I bought every menopause book that I could possibly find um, and went and stood in a big bookshop um, and looked at them all and they were all about lifestyle and complementary therapies and none of them were about HRT. Mm. The authors of that big study um, in 2000 did something that um, scientists very rarely do which was that they put out an apology a few years later saying we are sorry about the impact of our study and this is why. So this what they used um, during those big studies is not what we really use today and how we deliver the HRT is is often different and this is the most important part the women in the study started on their HRT over 10 years after their menopause Um, and actually most women now are starting within either before their menopause or within a few years afterwards and we are now really clear about the data so if we go through the benefits first because they're nice and simple mm. the first are it gets rid of your symptoms and that's hugely important and shouldn't be underestimated because if you can't work and if your sex life and if your relationships are getting wrecked by your symptoms mm. then giving you your life back should not be underestimated no. the second is that it protects your heart um, as long as it started within those 10 years so it's cardiovascular protection it protects you against osteoporosis and protects you against dementia and I'm frightened of dementia Mm. risks big one people worry about breast cancer so um, interestingly if you take estrogen only HRT which you would take if you did not have a womb there isn't really an increased risk of breast cancer Um, if you take progesterone only HRT and you are between 50 and 59 23 women out of a thousand would have breast cancer anyway 
If you take um, combined HRT, four more women will get breast cancer. But that increase is small, so less than a percent. You are less likely to die of breast cancer if you are on HRT, and that's because your breast cancer is more likely to be what we call hormone receptor positive, which means it's easier to treat. If I put those numbers into context, context with something else that you might be doing, if you smoke, if you drink, you increase your cases by three and four respectively, so the same amount of HR as HRT. And if you have obesity, you double your risk, another 24 cases per thousand. So actually those risks aren't very big and all causes of mortality all causes of death are less likely if you are on HRT mm. the other risks are about stroke and if we deliver the HRT the estrogen part through the skin uh, either as a gel or a patch those risks don't exist right. so actually for most women the risks are very very small when you compare them with the benefits and a sort of headline or take-home message is this if you are under the age if you have a premature menopause Mm. Taking HRT is hugely beneficial um, and there are no increased risks up until the age of 50 because you are simply replacing the hormones that would be there. If you start HRT between the ages of 50 and 60, the benefits tend to outweigh the risks. If you are starting between 60 and 70, and note I say starting, not continuing, mm -hmm. um, if you're starting, the benefits and the risks are about the same. And over the age of 70, the risks probably outweigh the benefits to starting. But yeah. mm -hmm. if you start within 10 years of the menopause, there is no stopping point as long as those benefits continue to outweigh the risks. Okay. And for many women, they make an informed choice every year about what it is that they want to do and whether or not they feel those benefits outweigh the risks. And for many women, they do. Mm. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So I started taking HRT last year, just before my 50th um, birthday. So I can carry on, you know, I can just carry on, can't I? And do I need, will that need to be built up and up and up and up and up? Good question. So when women start before they go through the menopause, there's often a little bit of ovarian function there. 
So you're still going to be producing a little bit of estrogen, testosterone and progesterone. And so some women will say after a few years, I don't think my HRT is working. And that's because their ovaries have finally actually stopped working entirely. I see. Um, and so they don't have um, a little bit of hormone from themselves and a little bit of hormone from HRT. And so we need to up the dose of HRT. Um, but once you hit your sort of steady state... Um, that tends not to happen, um, but it can happen often at the, be at the beginning right. or in the first few years. If you um, are happy to continue and feel that those benefits of continuing are worth it for you, as long as you suddenly don't develop high blood pressure, you mm. suddenly don't develop... Um, uh, breast cancer then we can do that mm. so it really depends on um, what else is going on in your medical history yeah. so we would say um, that you should have an HRT check every year with your doctor in order to ensure that those benefits outweigh the risks right okay and can I also ask about testosterone which isn't um, it's sort of immediately offered. Should we be pushing for it? Your ovaries make three hormones. They make um, uh, estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. And most of your symptoms are actually going to be related to estrogen deficiency. Yes. Testosterone um, is what we consider to be the male hormone, but women actually make some of it. Um, and you need it for lots of different things. You need it, um, it regulates one of the, it's one of the hormones that is involved with your metabolic rate. So how quickly you burn your food as, as energy. Um, it's involved with libido and sex drive and also energy and basically your oomph and your get up and go. Mm. And so what some women notice, um, often it's about libido, a drop of libido, um, which can be hugely multifactorial. You know, if you have a dry vagina because there's no estrogen in your vagina and you can't get lubricated um, and sex is painful, no one wants to have sex. Mm. So often there's a physical and psychological component to libido. Um, and we cover, I mean, I've got two big whopping chapters on sex on the book yes. because sex is really important. <laughs> yeah. um, and we cover all kinds of things in there, including sex toys and dilators and lube and which lube to use because because most of us were using the wrong one that actually irritated the vagina. Right. So definitely go and have a look yes. at those bits. Um, and don't think that as you get older that you don't need to have sex, shouldn't want to have sex, because, you know, if I, if I say that the menopause is a taboo, female pleasure as oh, you get God. older yeah. is most definitely <laughs> a taboo. Um, but to go back to the testosterone, so testosterone is, is involved in libido. But it's also involved in energy. Um, and as I said, you'll get up and go. And it's not prescribed on its own. So it's only prescribed with HRT. Now, it used to be licensed in this country um, and we used to have specific testosterone for HRT. And it was due to commercial reasons and not safety reasons at all that the license was removed. Mm -hmm. And so we either import from Australia um, where there is a a particular brand that it has a license or we use testosterone gels that we are, that are licensed for various conditions in men mm. and we use them in women now it sounds a bit scary all my doctors using something off license but actually it's something that we do all the time right. um, and we just discuss it with patients so there's lots of things that we do that are slightly off license and the testosterone is generally delivered as a gel um, and you apply a smidge and I mean that, a smidge, a very little bit. Um, and your doctor would probably use blood tests 
but as long as the testosterone is within the normal female range, you don't get male side effects. So people are worried, oh my goodness, am I going to suddenly get very hairy? Is my voice going to drop? Well, as long as you've got the right levels of testosterone, that shouldn't happen. The only thing that, that tends to happen um, as a side effect from testosterone is that if you don't change the bit of skin that you rub the testosterone into, you can get a patch of hair growth on that bit of skin. But as long as you literally go, well, this bit of thigh today, this bit of thigh right, tomorrow, yeah. that bit of thigh the next day, then that doesn't tend to happen at all. And what women say is this, is that it doesn't, doesn't just give them back their sex drive, but it makes them remember who they are, mm. that it just gives them back their oomph. Right. Um, and it works really well. And if we know that the menopause is a hormone deficiency state that involves three hormones, yeah. then sometimes we're going to need to replace all of those hormones yeah okay and and that's that's the thing isn't it it's you're just replacing hormones that that would be you know which i think makes it all a lot less sort of scary when you actually just really focus on that um but with the testosterone would i should i then go to my doctor and say well i'd like testosterone please or it, it or do if i feel like i'm okay and i i don't need it is it something you have to sort of fight for so if you or? feel like you're okay mm. um and you're managing your sex life and you wouldn't say that you're dragging yourself out of bed um every day and that you have no energy then you don't need don't it, need it. Yeah. but if you go on hrt and some things are fixed but not everything mm then it's worth considering. Right. So it's not quite as simple as, I've got flushes, I should try eggs. No. Um, it's more about sort of generally how you feel. Mm -hmm. And the other thing to say is that I we're speaking a lot about HRT, and I, I know and HRT is the right answer for many women, but I am not averse to other options if they work for you. And even within um, the guidance, we talk about other options and we have to remember that HRT is not suitable for everybody, including mm -hmm. women who have breast cancer. Yeah. Um, and we have lots of other options available. Now, um, the most commonly given option is actually an antidepressant, either an SSRI or an SNRI. SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And we use these medications for lots of things which aren't depression. Right, yeah. And that's really important to say. And we, we also can use anti-seizure medicines um, for uh, menopausal symptoms. And we use those medicines for lots of things that aren't epilepsy. We use them for pain syndromes. Um, and we use, the, we use SSRIs, for example, for irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. So we use these medicines for lots of things. Mm. Um, and they tend to work for flushes and sweats. Mm if they're going to work for anything. Um, and that's the most common symptom that they work for. And so don't think, oh, I've got breast cancer or I had breast cancer five years ago. I absolutely can't have HRT. There's nothing out there for me. Yeah, no. Because we do have yeah. lots of other things that we can try. And really, I just don't want any women out there to be suffering. I want them to go and be asking for help. Yeah. And your book is, you know, just, it's very optimistic. It's a real sort of uh, call to arms to sort of view the menopause as a new phase of life. And you know, has all of that information in it as well. I suppose it's looking at, you know, this woman, this situation and and then working out what is best, you know, because it's not one size fits all, is it? No, and that's, I mean, that's why um, when I get asked on TV or on social media, can I give personalised medical advice? And the answer is no, no. the GMC yeah. doesn't allow us to do that. I don't know your personal history. I don't know what you're allergic to. I don't know all of these things. We can only give general advice. And that's why the book is 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 jam-packed full of advice and yeah. evidence-based medicine but it also doesn't know who you are mm. and that's why you read something like this and then you go and talk to your doctor and together you work out what's best for you and sometimes there's a bit of trial and error sometimes you take um 
you know, for example, you start on oestrogen and the starting dose of uh, an oestrogen gel is is two pumps a day. Mm. And you come back in, in three months' time and you say, you know what, my breast is so tender I can't bear it. And you say, okay, well then we're either going to try a different way of delivering the oestrogen or a different oestrogen or I'm going to drop that dose. Yeah. Or you say, it's not enough for me, um, I don't feel anything. And I say, okay, I'm going to increase that dose. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of trial and error yeah, and, tweaking and a good and, relationship yeah. with your doctor to make it work. Yeah, um, but I think as well going in, you know, being informed, um, and in a in a very you know when I went to speak to my doctor you know she wasn't terribly um, sort of friendly um, and I hadn't seen her before and I went in but I didn't go in and say I want to be on HRT I just said really nicely I'd like to have a discussion with you about HRT and I've done a bit of reading and then she you know and she sort of warmed up a bit and it was done in a very non-confrontational way and it doesn't need to be a fight does it and, and like you say if you find someone within the practice that who specialises in women's health that's even better um so i think that for example i have a discussion with patients um all day every day about whether or not they need antibiotics for their virus mm. um and people often think oh the doctor doesn't want to give me something the mm. doctor's withholding something and that's not true no. um it's we want to give you the stuff that's going to work for you and so for antibiotics if you've got a virus uh, antibiotics not going to work mm. um if you've had breast cancer hrt is not safe for you mm. if you haven't and um you're worried because great aunt flo had breast cancer well then i can have a conversation with you about how that risk is actually really low um and and she's great aunt flo so she's not even a first degree relative and therefore you would could be considered to have the same background risk as somebody else who didn't have a great aunt flo and we can have a conversation about it and i think that it's all about talking be it to your doctor be it to your friends be it to your daughters to your husbands mm. to your work colleagues to your boss um, and it's only that as we do that that the story around the menopause is going to get changed yeah. and i think you know you say that the book is a call to arms and i really felt that and i wrote a little afterword in the book which essentially says that you know we are women and we are bound whether or not we've had children whether or not we have periods whether or not we're gay whether or not we're straight whether or not you know whatever it is whether yeah. or not we are women and we have to help and support each other and talk to each other and that is how we're going to be well and healthy yeah well, the book is fantastic. And as I say, I think, you know, it's it's one that you get it, that's it, you're covered. You, you're ready then to go in with evidence-based information to have discussions with your doctor and also, you know, to start getting yourself informed. It's, it's, a, it's a really great book. Thank you. Thank you ever so much, Philippa. Thank you for being on today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.